And we're live. Welcome to episode 18 of Mount Orb Sports Complex. Talk sports to me. I'm your host, the sports guru. Tonight, we will discuss part four of our five-part series, Sneaker Guide, Sports and Sneakers, How Kicks Control the Game. This episode is brought to you by Mount Orb Sports Complex and Anchor.fm, and we are still rocking the Piccolo Pete this week. Our whole five-part series will be Emotional Wreckage off his album. Please follow us at Instagram at TalkSportsToMeTM and Twitter at TalkSportsToMe1. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Mount Orb Sports Complex, TalkSportsToMe. You can catch our podcast live. You can catch our podcast um, after the fact at Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Part four of our five-part series is Shoe Companies and AAU. Um, sneaker Guides, Sports and Sneakers, How Kicks Control the Game. Uh, part four will be Shoe Companies and AAU. In part one, we discussed the rise of the sneaker company. In part two, we discussed the professional athlete and the shoe deal. We talked a lot about endorsement deals and the money that's made off those. Um, last night in part three, we talked about the running revenue and there was a pun intended with that as we talked about Steve Prefontaine getting the first ever lucrative Nike deal in 1974 with a running shoe for $5,000. We moved on to talking about uh, 1984 Michael Jordan, $500,000 Nike contract. And then we went on to talk about the contract with D. Rose um, in the upper echelon of 200 and something million uh, with Adidas. Um, we did speak last night about Cristiano Ronaldo getting a $1 billion lifetime deal with Nike. Um, LeBron has a $1 billion deal with Nike. And so we have discussed many of the players and athletes within professional sports, basketball and soccer, um, who are the most famous athletes in the world and some of the shoe deals that they have had. Um, it is very, very tempting as a <clears throat> consumer to want to buy the shoe of the most popular athlete. And I think that that's something that we do as a culture. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't speak on the culture um, that we live in today and a lot of rap videos and a lot of hip hop videos. You see people wearing Jordans and, you know, uh, you go to a lot of basketball courts, you see kids wearing LeBrons um, and wearing Kobe's. Uh, you go to certain areas of the world, like if you were in maybe even Chicago, where do, where D. Rose is from, you may see a lot of kids in some neighborhoods, even though Michael Jordan played for the Bulls, wearing D. Rose's because that's the city where he's from. Um, we talked about a little last night at length. We talked about some of the guys with lucrative shoe deals who have shoe deals that aren't American manufacturers. We talked about Lining and Dwayne Wade. And we talked about the shoe deal that Clay Thompson has that is a, a um, an off-seas shoe line, shoe deal. So, you know, these guys have put themselves from a athletic standpoint in a position to be able to serve their families long and far beyond um, 
their playing days financially. And it's been based on their ability to be marketable outside of the sport that they play and be marketable in a shoe brand. Um, we talked about Nike and we talked about Adidas and we talked about Eddie Bauer and we went through a lot of different shoe companies. We went through Brooks, how they're running shoe company. And we talked about a lot of different shoe companies and through our conversations with the shoe com companies, the one common denominator is that all these companies are annually increasing in revenue. And it doesn't matter the situation that we're in as a country. Like a lot of people, I've talked to a lot of my buddies and I've asked them, what are you guys going to do when this thing is over? And the first thing that they've told me is I'm going to buy some kicks, bro. And they'll go buy five or six pair at a time. And so the shoe companies will be one of the fastest companies to have their revenue increase after the coronavirus pandemic is over based on the fact of their product. And they don't just produce shoes. You know, right now I've got on, last night I had on a Nike shirt. Tonight I've got on an Under Armour hat and an Under Armour shirt representing Royal Legends. Um, shout out to Adam Reed and the Royal Legends AAU team. That team and uh, Sodigilous Basketball. That program um, was a program that was on the rise. Uh, Adam got into coaching school ball and kind of got away from it. But he has kids at three different schools, two of which are, well, four different schools, three of which are Class A schools. And all three of those Class A schools are on the rise in terms of the players that they are developing. And uh, we'll talk about Justin Becker in f later episodes once we talk about small town hoops, uh, small town hoops, small town dreams. That'll be a five-part series that I will have. And we'll talk about Justin Be Becker and we'll talk about Blake Reed, who we talked about, um, and Caden Reed, who we talked about um, in our episode on Tuesday night with the endorsement deal as we talked with George Baker. We will also talk about um, some of the kids that are at Augusta, Carter McClanahan and Chase Archibald, and some of the kids that Adam has had an impact on um, at St. Pat, LJ Connor and Jaden Rigdon. Uh, shout out to Coach Aaron Rigdon. Um, and then his kids that are at Augusta, and then Terrell Henry and the kids that are at Mason County that Coach Reed, um, Braden Hamilton, and the kids that are at Mason County that Coach Reed has put his hands on. All those kids are going to be really good basketball players, and at one point he had a small deal with Under Armour um, as far as merchandise with that AAU program. And if that AAU program were to stay together or ever come back together, one thing I can assure you is they'll be one of the better teams um, regionally, and they may potentially even um, play on one of those circuits. The shoe companies and the shoe deals, uh, sneaker guides, sports and sneakers, how kicks control the game. This is a subject today that we'll touch on that's like no other in a sense that the Amateur Athletic uh, Union, in the eyes of many, is is – uses student athletes as a pawn to elevate the marketability um, of the source of some of the, the high level brands and shoe manufacturers. And so when I say use these uh, student athletes as a pawn, these student athletes don't really have anything invested in these shoe companies, but their career, uh, but their futures. But in the future, in the, in the shoe company, they have a lot invested in these kids and being that you don't know who the next, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, or Zion Williamson may be. Zion Williams may be. And so 
tonight we will be joined by a very informative guest uh, in terms of uh, AAU basketball and not just AAU basketball because I want to I want to be clear on something. There are big differences between AAU basketball and AAU shoe circuit basketball. And so we'll get deep off into that um, in just a few minutes. In about six minutes, we'll bring on our guest today, who is, uh, in a sense, that you know, has specialized in running and operating a team on the world's biggest and most famous AAU basketball circuit, and that being the EYBL. And for those of you that don't know what the EYBL stands for, that's the Elite Youth Basketball League. And it is put on by none other than Nike. Um, through the EYBL, uh, a lot of kids have had grave opportunities to become superior, superior, um, famous, superiorly famous people through marketing. Um, we can take a look back when we get uh, Coach Mahorn on in a bit at some of the guys that have come through the EYBL and some of the guys that have come through some of the other gauntlet or some of the other amateur athletic union association tours. Um, the EYBL is the most popular, but it's not the only. And so um, there is in the B along with the EYBL, the, the elite youth basketball league, there is the, the um, gauntlet, which is sponsored by Adidas. And there is the Under Armour series, which is uh, called The Rise. And so those are the two competing organizations um, attempting to match up with the EYBL in terms of travel basketball. Um, we can get into later some of the some of the uh, perhaps schools that are, you know, some of the schools that are sponsored by different organizations. Um, you know, your North Carolina Jordan brand, your Duke is Nike, uh, your Kansas is Adidas. Um, and there are a lot of other Under Armour schools uh, out there as well. Under Armour is on the rise. The one thing about these shoe companies is they can offer these schools deals. And through these deals, the schools will be able to, um, they will be able to use these schools for further marketing, but some of these schools will be able to also have their players get more exposure, which is something that a lot of people with, with playing European basketball and such now is more prevalent. So a lot of people, um, you know, pay attention to that. Uh, I want to jump into a few names that, you know, have helped propel the shoe companies into the AAU world. And the most important name is the one of which a Sonny Vaccaro. And I'm sure many of you have heard of Sonny Vaccaro and many of you know the story of Sonny Vaccaro being affiliated with Adidas and, you know, uh, being one of the first people to ever start elite camps and then switching over to Nike and then, you know, ultimately getting involved in the AAU circuit. Um, the next name is is a name that I'm going to mention that a lot of people nationwide, especially basketball heads, know of, and that is one of Howard Garfunkel. Howard Garfunkel was the director of the five-star camps. And those five-star camps were all Nike. Everything was Nike. 
And, you know, you've heard me use the word elite in the last few days. And as, as I use the word elite in the last few days, I just want to help you understand that elite are the best players in the country. So elite camps, a lot of times are not something that you can sign up for. The word elite has become watered down because a lot of, uh, a lot of corporations and a lot of athletes, a lot of, uh, companies use the word elite when it's not elite athletes per se that are participating in the event. But these original, original elite events through the five-star camps and through the Adidas camps and through the Nike camps, these were the original camps that were put on by Sonny Vaccaro and by Howard Garfunkel that were sponsored by these shoe companies and kids got a lot of merchandise for going to these shoe companies, but they were for the weekend or for the week were around the best players in the country that were a lot like them. Phil Knight is another important name. Um, he's the co-founder of Nike. And so he has many, 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 uh, a big role in this whole thing. So, Without further ado, I want to bring in our guest tonight um, and and talk to him and 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 get a, a good understanding of the AAU world. This individual is someone who has been um, around the block in in um, AAU in Lexington and 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 across the country. Um, is the nephew of former Pistons great Rick Mahorn. Um, and he will tap in with us tonight um, and, and help us understand. He was involved with, uh, with the um, Kentucky Travelers, who was, one of, who was ranked in the country at one point in time. Uh, I know Beetle Bolden that played at Covington Holmes um, that went on to play at West Virginia for Bob Huggins was, was on some of those teams with coach Mahorn. And so coach Mahorn is going to really give us a closer and more inside look at how this stuff works and, and how, how it's supposed to work. So give me just a minute to get coach Mahorn on the line. We'll have reached the voicemail. So Coach Mahorn is not available at the moment. Um, we'll carry on. One thing that we've always known about the the shoe game is that the players that it's not always necessarily the players um, that get things going. A lot of times it's it's you know, the players in terms of, of skill set, it's a lot of times popularity and what makes a player popular, you know, what makes a player popular? Is it their ability to, in Jordan's case, fly? Is it the ability to shoot the ball really well? So, you know, there are a lot of different things that, play a factor in, you know, what makes a player marketable. Uh, Coach Mahorn, you with us? Hello? 
Coach Mahorn, you with us? Yes, I'm here. You got me? Yes, sir. I got you. Thanks for tuning. Uh, thanks for uh, tapping in with us tonight. Uh, we're working on our five-part series. Uh, tonight is shoe companies and AAU. And uh, I just want to, you know, talk to you for a bit about the, 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 the shoe game. And, you know, I want you to give us a little rundown about your career in terms of being a division one player and, you know, being at Georgetown college and some of the success that you've had and then going over to coaching and how, once you've gotten into coaching and got on the AAU circuit, how that has evolved into a marketing, a, a marketing, you know, a business field and not just a basketball field. So uh, thanks for joining us. Tell us a little bit about yourself coming out of high school and, and what you, what you did after, after high school. Uh, well, first, you know, uh, coming out of high school, I'm from East Orange, New Jersey. Came out uh, down the 90s and had an opportunity to play against, you know, some of the best guys in the country at the time. We were very established. Basketball really started to take off. And, you know, I had some instances where I... Uh, Committed early to college, but wasn't able to go uh, due to some off-court activity. Uh, lost my girlfriend out of high school, so I wasn't able to, you know, continue to go on and went the JUCO route. Became a JUCO All-American, um, signed on to Utah State, and was a part of one of the winners, you know, traditions and uh, Division One with the longest one streak, and left there my junior year. And, Went in and played my senior year at Georgetown College. So, you know, made a, made did, a great decision. Did you, um, at, at some point, you entered the, the NBA draft portal, correct? Yes, I entered the NBA draft after uh, Utah State. You know, I was pretty hot coming out of JUCO, and I generated a little bit of buzz about myself, but, you know, I decided to go to college and you know, it didn't, unfortunately, it didn't work at Utah State. So those yeah. things kind of happen. Yeah, those things happen um, to a lot of players. And, and we talked about that on, on one of the past episodes. Um, you know, my, my biggest my biggest question, you know, the biggest one of the biggest things I want to talk to you tonight about is the shoe company and AAU. And I know you're really familiar with that. And I know that you were a part of and, and coached and helped develop one of the biggest AAU, um, one of the best AAU teams in the country for, for a short run, for a pretty good run, actually, with the Kentucky Travelers. And, you know, how much of an impact do shoe companies have in AAU basketball right now? Well, uh, to kind of touch on the traveler situation. Um, it's, you know, Travelers was a well-established AU program that, you know, moved to Kentucky from Tennessee. Um, you know, and I was just really blessed to be a part of that. Uh, and it just kind of platformed me coaching. Um, you know, after coaching at Georgetown College for three years, uh, after I left Georgetown College, I was able to jump on the Nike EYBL and, you know, be a part of the Kentucky Travelers. Um, and the success that we've had, you know, was just pretty much dedicated to the, the work those guys put in, the kids put in, and the confidence those parents 
had behind us. So, you know, with Nike, man, it's, um, you know, we were 40, there were 40 teams like us in the country, 40 fully sponsored teams in the country. Um, and as I was able to coach, you know, be a part of that, I have never seen, you know, and I've coached and played it at a high level. I've never seen, you know, I've never seen at that level, you know, what the EYBL presented for our kids. It was tremendous. The atmosphere, the games, the preparation, you know, it, it was it was top of the line. So, um, you know, and that's what I think a lot of everybody wants to be. I don't think everybody can play there, but everybody wants to be there. That's just, you know, that's just my input on just my experience um, being with the Travelers and coaching the EYBL. What um when you say fully sponsored, you know, give our listeners a, a, an idea of what exactly that means because there's there's sponsorships, there's a lot of different types of sponsorships, and so what sponsorship means to one person may not mean it may not mean the same to the next person. So when you say fully sponsored, what exactly does that entail, and what is something like playing for a team like the Travelers generally? What would something like that cost, like? How much money were they putting into each kid as far as traveling and clothing and stuff? Uh, as far as the sponsorship, you know, travelers, it was a structure. It wasn't just, you know, one person. It was a full structure of, uh, you know, personnel. A uh, parent was involved on the board. And so we structured it as a board. Uh, you know, I'm not, I can't speak on how everybody else structured their programs or how we did it was successful for us. But uh, basically, so what you have is a fully sponsored Nike EYBL team. Um, like I said, there's only 40 of those teams. Um, that's you know in the, in the United States. So basically, you're allotted a certain amount of money which handles your travel. You know, you have to budget it. I mean, the biggest part is you have to learn to budget the uh, the income that's you know allotted for your travel, allotted for your tournaments. Um, you know, and you're and getting to the EY and getting to the and getting to your destination and getting to your destinations of uh of you know where EYBL tournament to hell you know that's that's just something to say that's that incorporates in the sponsorship you know and providing gear of course and stuff is that you know top of Nike you know top Nike gear EYBL gear um foot up you know shoe apparel sweatsuits backpacks you know I think those kids had pretty much everything um, that was that was out and stuff that wasn't out. You know, they had they had first dibs on it. Right. So I want to talk to you a minute about Sonny Vaccaro and and Howard Garfunkel because you were coming out and coming through the ranks at the time when you know five star camps and and Nike and Adidas and Nike camps were the popular thing. But one of the things that I mentioned earlier in the in the show was that those were like now they have camps and they you know we tag them elite but they may not necessarily be elite because we don't just only have elite players there those camps were invite only and those were actually real elite camps and so how much of an impact do you think that you know and it goes without being said it was a a, a large impact but how much do you think that Sonny Vaccaro and Howard Garfunkel and the guys who innovated the elite camp um, changed the landscape of basketball? 
Well, I think this. Growing up, one, I grew up under, you know, my AU team was up under Sunny. We were one of the first teams at Newark Rams out of uh, Newark, New Jersey. Uh, we, you know, we were a daily Adidas affiliated team at the time. So we grew up under that. So we kind of, you know, we, we, uh, did a lot of the BCI tournaments and Adidas run stuff. And, and I got a chance to be selected to go to the ABC, uh, ABCD camp. Uh, I was one of those guys that went to the camps. You know, like you said, you spoke on those camps and you used the word elite. Uh, elite now is so broad, you mm-hmm. know. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm speaking of it as of now, but you know, back then when you when you were selected to go to those camps, you know, it wasn't because of Instagram or you know or the or the YouTube sensations. It was because of the work you put in. You know what I mean? Or the respected name if you had it. You know, you had to go there and show out every every hour on the hour. So, you know, for us, man, it was more important that. It, it was it was the foundation. Now that I look back on it, you know, being a part of it. Uh, growing up, playing in it, and then going to, you know, five-star camp and invitational, five-star invitational camp in Pittsburgh. Um, numerous times you, you got to play against, that's how you got to play against the best kids in the country. You know, you got to see who, you know, um, the Kobe Bryant's, the Pip Hamilton's, the, you know, the Chauncey Phillips, the tractor trailers. You know, you got to see who those guys were early, you know, and then, you know, if you was blessed or skilled enough to get another chance opportunity, you got the chance to really see them again um, at ABCD camp in Fairly Dickinson, New Jersey, you know, uh, university. So, um, you know, it, it platformed, it platformed it, man. And, and I think right now, kind of what you see now is, you know, uh, you know, Nike had their top 100 camp, you know, um, and that was, I think was held in India at the time. Um, you know, but at the time, right now, I think what you see now is you see so much more of, you don't see the, 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 just the elite playing against the elite. You know, back then, like when you start naming Sonny Vaccaro camps and, and Five Star, you, it was just elite playing against elite. It wasn't mm-hmm. no, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't the, not, not a knock on any AAU program, but it wasn't the mom and pops AAU programs. It was those, you know, it was those players there. And you had to fend for yourself, you know. Um, you know, you couldn't hide. Uh, and that's one thing I think the EYBL is platformed is, I mean, that's a monster. Like, <laughs> EYBL is a monster. You know, and I had the privilege of coaching on the Adidas circuit, you know, with Louisville Magic and uh, with Ellis Miles and, you know, his program, the Louisville Magic. And we, we did great there. You know, we did great there. So, uh, it's just, it's, times is different. You know, times are definitely different, but, um, like you said, that word elite is thrown around a lot. And I just think Sonny and, uh, you know, uh, rest in peace of Garfinkel, I think they, they was, they just platformed it. They set a crazy foundation and people just kind of, you know, took off what they built and ran with it. You know, something that a lot of people, the younger generation doesn't get it. And I think a lot of it has to do with the older generation. And when I speak on it, a lot of the older generation doesn't want to hear it, but something that doesn't happen anymore is kids playing outside. And when I was, when I was coming up, we played outside, but when you would go to the park, the old heads were still out there as well playing. And the old heads now won't play outside, but 
they don't play outside because the kids don't play outside, you know? And so I think that something that a lot of the AAU has done and people don't put a lot of consideration into it. And I mean, realistically, it's a good thing because kids don't get, you know, a lot of kids weren't getting recruited from those parks, you know, in in the eighties and nineties, kids weren't getting recruited from the park, but something that has happened is the time that kids play ball at the park, they're playing AAU now, you know, in, in April and May and nationals in July. And so AAU has taken a lot of the, the, the playground ball out of, you know, out of, out of competition, which is a good thing because these AAU tournaments, which I'm going to ask you some questions about that in just a bit, but these AAU tournaments are putting these kids on, you use the word platform on a platform where you walk into an arena. I know I went to Louisville to the nationals and like, they had like tables set up right up on the court for coaches, you know, and, and press. And right. so that just didn't, I went to Las Vegas to play in like the Adidas big show or Adidas big time in the late nineties. And uh, right. I went out there to play two years. And like I was saying last night, that's when I realized what, after coming back my first summer, that's when I realized like what being a dog looked like, you know, and then when I was right. able to come back the second year and people don't understand the difference in what I'm saying and, and what I'm going to say, but when I left there the first year, I knew what being a dog looked like. When I left there the right. second year, I knew what being a dog felt like, if that makes any right. sense, because yes, it, you level up when you're in situations like that. And even in situations like that, when you feel like you're not being as productive or you feel like you're not, you know, out there in Vegas is where I really learned how to play without the ball because everybody gets the ball and they got one mission on, on one mission in mind and that's get to the rim, you know, or, or that's knock down a shot. And so um, I, I know you mentioned you were part of the Adidas circuit too. And so um, with the Louisville magic. So before we go switch over to the Adidas circuit, tell me who are some of the, the players that you got a chance to impact Um on the Nike circuit when you were with the Kentucky Travelers? Uh, repeat that question again. Just tap in with me and tell me a couple of the, the players, that, that a couple of the high-profile players that you may have got to work with when you were on the Nike circuit. Well, you know, one thing about uh, what we did in, in, with the Travelers is, uh, you know, we, we tried to get the best kids for our program. Um mm-hmm. You know, we had uh, four breeders. I don't want to throw a number out so people jump on it, but right. I'm going to say four uh, Mr. Basketball candidates. You know, if we have four of the Mr. Basketball guys on the Travelers, um, you know, we we created such a buzz that uh, we were going against national talent. I mean, a lot of the guys we played against the EYBL were primarily those one-and-dones, those guys that got picked in the lottery, you know, in the NBA draft uh, during that time. Um, you know, you just seen some of the, you, see, I, you know, to see Tyler Eulis develop in, in, in Peach Jam, you know, as we were able to go there twice with a bunch of kids from Kentucky and, you know, a couple of kids from Ohio. But, you know, we were able to go there and to see Tyler Eulis, uh, whose story is tremendous to me, right. uh, you know, he didn't have, you know, the quote-unquote 
scholarship offers and the, the recruitment wasn't there. But to see that young man play and play against him, maybe he beat us in, you know, the PCM uh, to go to the lead eight. So, you know, uh, to see him play against Tyus Jones, who was a top point guard in the country at that time, and to put up some monster numbers on him, like 29 and 16 and guarded him 94 feet, you know, was amazing. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, you know, that's something that you see, you know, you get to see those type of stories. Um, you know, we played the Jalil Okafors and the Brunsons and, you know, the McIrvin Fires. And you respect those guys because you hear so much about their program. And the Boo Williams, you know, what Boo has done is tremendous. But, you know, man, we, we built the culture that we didn't care who we were, who they were. We were going to go in there. We're going to see what happened. And we strapped up, you know, and that's why we were able mm-hmm. to represent Kentucky and go to Peace Jam two years in a row with the successful kids. You know, they bought it. They just bought it and grow. And, and the success I've seen from them guys playing in college um, and being successful in college and graduating and, and leaving and being professionals, uh, you know, it's, 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 just a high, it's just really gives me great. It gives me goosebumps talking about it um, because, you know, I just knew how much we had to fight. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because some of the talent we've seen, like you said, was crazy. Right. So, you know, switching over to from the Elite Youth Basketball League um, to the gauntlet. Um, interestingly enough, Sonny Vaccaro was an Adidas guy and then went to a Nike guy and worked with Phil Knight. And he, he was really the revolutionary of making high school kids marketable and putting high school kids on a stage. And he will ever be respected. And, and admired by many because of his ability to do what he done in terms of giving kids opportunity. Um, it was at one point in the 90s, if you look at a college basketball roster, if you look at Syracuse roster, you being from New York, from New Jersey, they've got 12 kids. At one point you look at their roster and eight or nine of those kids were from the East Coast. You know, they, they were yeah. more local kids. And what Sonny Vaccaro was able to do was put those kids on a national stage to where now there has become parity in college basketball. And it's because kids are going to play anywhere and TV networks are giving everybody a TV contract. And so right. I love where the game has went, but – Tell me about the Adidas, the Adidas experience, and then maybe expand on that Adidas experience by maybe giving some comparisons um, in terms of Nike to Adidas. And I'm not asking you to say anything bad about either one. Just what are some of the differences in the two circuits, or is there no differences besides you know? Is there differences in level of play, or is there really no differences? It's just the two different, the two different. Circuits, you know, it, there's, you know, uh, well, one, let me let me address the situation um, with being on the Adidas circuit. Uh, you know, we linked up with Ellis, uh, who's you know one of the top you know programs in the state of Kentucky. Um, you know, which us linking up probably was unheard of, or even you know thought it couldn't you know exist, and we did coexist really well. Uh, 
You know, he coached the 17s. I coached the 16s. So I had the likes of David Johnson. You know, we really had a crazy team. Like our team was like, I look at it now, and I see Louisville, West Virginia. Was this during uh, the Beetle Bolden time? No, the Beetle Bolden was a traveler. Beetle Bolden, Beetle Bolden. Okay, so was he traveler. was a traveler. Okay, I didn't know if he played this for is, This is David Johnson, who's at Louisville now. This is, uh, so... It's like, you know, two or three years ago. Okay. Uh, you know, so we, you know, uh, so we just had a really good group. I mean, we had, you know, we had a, a super group, man. And, you know, Oscar, who was at West Virginia, played for us for a stretch. Um, Postart, who was at Western Kentucky, played for us, you know. Uh, man, we just had, I mean, we, we could have had the kids, you know, Dante Allen, he, you know, we, we tried to add him to it, you know, to that mix. We had Kiki Tandy, who was at Xavier. Xavier, yeah. Um, you know, so you had those guys. And those are Kentucky kids. And, you know, besides Oscar and the group of kids that, that we had uh, from West Virginia that came over. But, you know, the Adidas circuit, man, was it was, it was, you know, we won our first, we won it out in Dallas. So we, we went out to Dallas our first session. Um, 16U won the whole weekend. You know, uh, what 17U did with Ellis and how they ran their stuff. I mean, they had a successful season as well as they had Jay Scrub, who just committed to the NBA. Um, you know, they had a bunch of other guys that really fit the mold of what was going on. So, you know, they were, their success wasn't, it was basically for the 17s, but Adidas, man, it was, it was kind of eye opening a little bit because I, I was on Nike. Um, so I got to see, you know, some really good teams, some really good players, um, you know, and, and you got to see some good coaching. I think the big stigma is this, and people really don't understand, there's levels to this. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not taking anything away from anybody, but, you know, to be, to perform at, on the highest stage for Adidas and to perform on the highest stage of, of the EYBL, it, take it for what it's worth and just accept it. But, you know, the comparison, it doesn't help. It doesn't help because you got kids that are really good that, that's on Adidas. You got kids that are really good that's on Nike. You know what I'm saying? I think the, I think the parody comes in, of course, because you have the shoe companies. But I, I think our 16U team with the Louisville Magic was just as good as any, you know, 16U team that Nike. You know what I'm saying? I could, I could think that way. Um, because I put, you know, I was able to do both. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I think the parodies are going to happen because of the shoe, the shoe companies. But, man, those kids play high-level basketball, bro. Like, they play at a high level, man. They really do. And, and I, I got excited by seeing some of the best players that Adidas had. I don't think the, uh, you know, at that time, Adidas was so heavy because they had Zion Williamson, who was, you know, who was crazy in the game. Um you know, they had the kid from Indiana. They had, you know, they had everybody. Uh, you know, so you you have all of those parodies that people from the outside look in and you know try to compare UIBL and Adidas and Under Armour, and it, it's fair, it's fair. But at the end of the day, man, I was I just wanted to coach it and be at high level basketball, and I was. I was fortunate enough to be around it both times. That's awesome because I think when people think like. I know I did some numbers yesterday on yesterday's show um, talking about running revenue was, was the title of yesterday's show. And 
we talked about the difference from Steve Prefontaine's shoe contract with Nike in 1974 to Michael Jordan's. Um, <laughs> you know, Steve Prefontaine's deal was $5,000. Michael Jordan's deal was $500,000. Now LeBron has a lifetime $1 billion contract. So the difference is in how it is, how it's evolved. And these shoe companies, and I, I keep using the word revolutionize because that's what they've done. They've revolutionized sports because the way we see it is not the same. Um, people think the EYBL and they think automatically that it's a better circuit than Adidas, than the gauntlet for the simple fact that Nike's revenue is $31.9 billion per year. And Adidas's revenue is $7 billion per year. So they must have the best AAU basketball circuit. That's just not the way that it well, works. Can, can, can I just, uh, let me chime in on this for a second and, and not to, not to discredit anybody, but <laughs> I, I being on folks, you know, I think sometimes people get a big, the biggest, the biggest thing with this is, is this, JT, they don't understand you know, when you're on both, it's, it's when you experience both, it's, I mean, it's, it's a moment. You know what I'm saying? It's, mm -hmm. it's really like, it's reflecting upon, I can't tell you, you know, how big Peach Jam is. Like, I can't express it to you in words. You know, I, I can't express it to you how the atmosphere and how, you know, you know, Nike going to South Carolina, Augusta and being there and, and, you know, that atmosphere, playing in front of that atmosphere, playing against who you play against, you know, it's out of 40 teams, you got 16 teams going to Augusta just to play in the peace set. Mm. You know, that, 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 the intimacy of, you know, being impacted by the ball and who you playing against every game, it matters. You know what I'm saying? And, but, you know, when you do it with Adidas, it, it matters. You know, you see Zion Williams walk in the gym and you, you know, you see the likes of so many others walk in the gym and you're like, oh man, this is it. But the, the parody doesn't do it justice because that environment is so strong. You know, I, I, I was blessed and fortunate enough to go with Louisville Magic and make it to the fi Adidas Finals. I was blessed enough to go, you know, make it Peace Jam with Kentucky Travelers. And they both, they're both good in their own right, but I, I wouldn't discredit either one. You know, I mean, Peace Jam is it. Peace Jam is the Mecca. Right, I mean, right. I mean, it, just, it was just what it was. And, and I think there's so much predicated on the atmosphere, the level of competition, um, the gameplay is so intense. You know, it, you, you're in a small, impacted facility, and you get and it's war. I mean, it's, it's war. I mean, you got people walking miles, man, just to get there, and not just to see somebody. You know, they. You know, I don't think a lot of people came to see Kentucky Travelers. I think they came to see a war, and I mean, yeah. I think, and that's what. You know that's that's the parody that I that I I would give with Nike that you know we we went bro it wasn't because we had a high profile name you know what I'm saying I, I think you know my first year going I had a uh, five eight white boy from Kentucky uh, Braxton Beverly as a point guard you know Beetle Bolton was five nine you know, that was the backcourt you know so you, they they not coming to see those kids they come to see you know, whoever those pros are, but it's a war. Like, you're going to respect the level of basketball. And that's what those two companies bring. They, they bring a high respect level of basketball. 
you know, and don't run from it. Don't, please, if you think you got it and you're fortunate enough to get on, go play in that atmosphere. And, you know, and test, check your pulse. That's why I always say, check your pulse. If you want to see, exactly. if you want to see who you are, or you want to see what you're built like, or if you want to see, you know, if you think that your four hours a day is enough, check your pulse and go play with the best players in the country and find out. Uh, something else I wanted to ask you, um, per capita, does Kentucky have? And and I watched the KBC podcast with with Tom and Marcellus, and and they had when they had Chris on and. Does per capita does Kentucky have you've been all around the world doing this basketball thing? Does Kentucky have some of the best hoopers per the amount of people, the amount of schools and and, and people that are in the state that you've ever seen in, in your travels? Uh, you know, not <laughs> um, I, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say you know people. We don't do right we now. don't do politically correct answers on on my show, right, Dre? Right, so right, so I, I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it this way. Coming from where I come from, you know, we and from New Jersey basketball is is crazy right now. Like it's it's crazy, but uh, Kentucky, you know, it, it has it has. I think Kentucky's on the wage system. You know, I think Kentucky has, I think there's times when the state is on a really good wave and you see a really good uh, influx of talent flowing through the state. You know, I think there's times where um, it's on the low, you know, it, like I said, it goes in waves, so it goes in highs and lows. I think, um, you know, I think, you know, when people think of Kentucky, you know, don't sleep on it, you know what I'm saying? But Kentucky itself tries to make things you know, a lot bigger than what it is. I think, you know, they just got to go out there and see what happens. I think, you know, you got places like Louisville and Western Kentucky and, you know, sprinkle some kids up in Northern Kentucky and Eastern Kentucky. You know, you, you, they're so spread out that you're seeing, you know, a few droplets of talent. I don't think it's a, a big collective. You know, I don't think it's as big as collective as, it, as people think, but I think it's sprinkled in certain places. I think Louisville's a hotbed. I think Western Kentucky, I think they, you know, they're a hotbed. I think Maysville, Kentucky's a hotbed. I think it was. For for as small for as small as 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 Maysville was or is, if you look at the amount of I mean, granted we've we've what had what you produce, yeah. Production. And what I'm saying, what I'm saying, a hotbed. I'm saying, I'm saying, like, I think Maysville could have a talent coming up. I don't know. I, I, you know, I don't know what's out there, but you know, to produce the likes of, you know, Chris and Darius, and you know, the, the list goes on. I mean, you got Sean Mark that played at UC. You got Dan Feldhouse that played at UK. You got Ronnie right. Lines that played at UK. You got Wesley Jones. Right who played NAIA at Central State but went and scored 1,500 points along the way. You got Micah Turner, right. who graduated in two, 2006. And a lot of people don't know this. Micah Turner graduated in 2006, and Chris and I laugh about it a lot. Bro went to college and scored 2,300 points or something, right, at an NAIA school. That's special. And, and everybody is like, man, I never knew Micah was this good. Well, he was a sophomore when Chris was a freshman, and he was a senior when Darius was a sophomore. So he played between Chris right. and Darius. And so 
when when you're when you're talking about the 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 sixth man of the year in the SEC and the player of the year in the SEC, you know, in their respective four years, and Chris being SEC rookie of the year and then being SEC player of the year and then being second team all SEC once and being first team all SEC once and all the things that Chris has done and then Darius going to Kentucky and being part of a coaching change from Gillespie to Calipari and being one of the guys that Cal still chose to play and then being an integral part of, you know, going from being a starter to coming off the bench, not because he was the sixth best player, but because that's what the team needed and his ego would allow him to deal with it when one of those other guys' egos wouldn't to go on to win a national right. championship and still being the 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 uh, tournament MVP, SEC tournament MVP. And, like, the things that those guys were able to do, you know, in terms of per capita because there's so many good players. But, again – at Maysville, like you said, and it goes back to what you said, it comes in waves, you know. Right. And Louisville, Louisville doesn't do it in waves. They've got kids that are hot every year in the city, you know. Right. But then I think overall, for the state of Kentucky, I, and, and that's just my, you know, that's just how I see it since I've been here, and just kind of being a part of it, you know, coaching high school, coaching college, you know, you you see the wave, and I think. Once Kentucky realizes it learns the way, I don't think the state understands that, you know, in, in ways. But I think once they see it, I think you do have an influx of really good talent. Like I told you, we, you know, with the Magic, we had, I mean, we were loaded. You know what I'm saying? You know, you go watch Wolves, you see David Johnson go off at Duke. You know, you go watch David, you see Kiki Tandy. And, you know, you got Dante Allen, who's at Kentucky. You know, you got Isaiah Kozar, who's at... Western Kentucky, you know, you got, you know, Hollingsworth, Lexington, who's that, what, you know. So you got all those talents and Kentucky kids, and I just think they're part of that group, and they was on that wave. I mean, know? you got the kid from Knox, Knox County Central, uh, Justice, Cam Justice, who, who Cam had a – Justice is a traveler. He's a traveler. Yeah, four-good-year career, and then used his fifth yeah. year at, at Western Kentucky. At and Western Kentucky. Helped them. Yeah, had a great yeah. year. So 